Colossians chapter 1, verses 1 to 14. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. Grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. Good to see you all. A lot of books in the Bible. I'll find it at some point. Here we go. Well, once upon a time, we had cartoons in the newspapers for entertainment, and today we have memes. If you don't know what a meme is, it's like a funny joke picture that's shared around on the internet. And I don't always like them, but there is one that I quite enjoy. I think it's pretty relatable. It's the how it started versus how it's going meme. Let me show you a few examples. Here's the first one. I just love they were trying to make a duck. You know, they, th they thought they'd started so well. And then that. Here's another one. Parents among us, I'm sure, know that feeling all too well. It started so well. How did we end up here? And the final wholesome one. <laughs> Beautiful. In the passage just read out, Paul presents for us how it started and how it's going for the Colossians. And it's a little bit more like that last picture than the first two. It started really well and it's going really well but will it keep going well? 
And if it will keep going well, how will it keep going well? Colossians 1, and this beautiful prayer, it shows us the answer to that question for the Colossians and for all of God's people, both then and now throughout the world, so that we might live lives worthy of the Lord. This is the desire God has for all His people who hear the gospel and understand His grace. It's a desire He has for all who share in the inheritance of God's holy people in Christ that we too might live lives worthy of the Lord. So this morning as we feed on God's Word, let us be attentive. Let us take these truths to heart and act upon them. Let's pray as we come to the Word. Our Father, you have gathered us, each of us, to hear your word. We pray now you would put off distractions, help us to hear your voice clearly, that we too may live lives worthy of the Lord. I encourage you to have your Bibles open in front of you this morning so that you can see what's being said is from the Scriptures and also because I'll be referencing it along the way. Verse 3, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people. The imprisoned Paul, he's heard reports from Epaphras of how the Colossians are doing. And you can just imagine it. Paul, you wouldn't believe the faith these Colossians have. You would not believe the love that they have for each other. It's, it's incredible. You know, when they're out in the surf together, one of them, he, he asked the other, how have you been discipling your, your children? How's that going? These, these, these people, you just would not understand how much they pray for each other. They love praying for each other. They ask each other what's going on. They love each other in that way. And not just on Sundays. Oh, and... Paul, Timothy, that they confess sins together. It's not just shallow, they share what each other are struggling with and, and they work through it together so that they may spur each other on and so they might encourage each other to live lives worthy of the Lord. Oh, it's incredible. Now, maybe he went on ages and ages, told story after story of person after person and people and group, but the text doesn't actually tell us Whatever was said, Paul sums it up. The Colossians have faith in Christ and love for each other. And so verse 3, Paul and his companions, they respond in thanks. We always thank God, the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Now, I used to think that thankfulness, it was kind of just a nice quality that some people had and particularly some Christian people had and I would think, oh, that's, that's a really nice thing to see in them, that's, that's just not me, it's a beautiful thing, that's just not me, I'm just not that kind of person. But as you read the book of Colossians, you see Paul come back to it over and over again. The fact that he has to commend it, well, it and show it so much, it, it reveals something of this being for all Christian people. He speaks of, verse 12, giving joyful thanks to the Father. Verse 7, overflowing with thankfulness. Verse 15 of chapter 3, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of one body you are called to peace, and be thankful. 
3.17, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Devote yourself to prayer, being watchful and thankful. See, believers are encouraged and even, even called to be thankful people. And the fact that Paul does model it and does command it, it, it reveals to us that it, this might be something we find hard to do. Maybe there are a few reasons why we find it hard. Maybe because the world around us, well, it's not really doing that. Maybe because the personal situations in our life make it really difficult. And it's easier to focus on the hard things. Maybe it also would mean slowing down our frantic pace of life in order to consider the things we're thankful for. Because as soon as we do slow down, we discover that despite everything else, there's so much to be thankful for. Let's try it right now. Right now, I'm going to give you 20 timed seconds so you know how long you've got. And I want you to write down, or if you don't have a pen, think of it, the person in your mind, someone that you're thankful for at this very moment. And write down or consider why it is that you're thankful for them. 20 seconds. Go for it now. That's 20 seconds. How about I pray and thanks for all those people we've written down. Our Father, we do thank you for these people that we've thought of now. You are the one who has given us to, given them to us, and we are so very thankful. Amen. Maybe you could chat to the per people after the service and ask them who they wrote down and why they were thankful for them. I had a friend who he told me that he was starting to pray for people in thanks before he prayed for them, and he said he did this for those he found easy to pray for and those he found re really difficult, and it actually increased his love for those people. And he found that his prayers for them became more genuine as he grew in thanks. He was thankful. Paul here is thankful. But he's not just thankful to anyone. Did you notice? He's thankful to God, the Father of Jesus. Have a look at verse 3. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. See, if you just dropped the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ bit, you probably wouldn't notice. We always thank God when we pray for you. But Paul here, he's, he's drawing our attention to God as the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the chosen and exalted King of God's kingdom. Now, next week, we're going to see God proclaim, Paul proclaim, Rod proclaim as he preaches to us the supremacy of Jesus. And as he does that, we'll see, well, God is the father of this Jesus. He's not separate from him. They're not in opposition to each other. They're wonderfully united in their plans and purposes. And Paul, he thanks the father because he knows that the faith and love that he sees among the Colossians, it, it didn't just come from nowhere. A couple of years ago, Joe and I, we went to this beautiful beach 
in New Zealand. It's a wonderful beach. And you rock up and there's way too many people there and you wonder why there are so many people there. And then you walk along the sand and you dig down and the sand and the water actually starts to steam. It's boiling water. It's incredible. And the New Zealanders, they came up with a really creative name, Hot Water Beach. <laughs> but you get it. It's, a, it's amazing. It's also very, very hot. When I say boiling, I really mean it. And the question we had, all of us had who were there, was where did this water come from? I mean, we know it's not natural to hear. Where did that come from? How did that water get there? Don't ask me the answer. I still don't get it, even after Googling it. Somewhere in the... I don't know. Just like that hot water, the faith and love that Paul hears of, he knows it comes from somewhere. It didn't just come from nowhere. And unlike me at the beach, Paul actually knows where it springs from. So have a look at verse 3. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people. Verse 5, the faith and love that spring from the hopes stored up for you in heaven. You see, it springs. It springs from the hope stored up for them in heaven. It's bubbling out from the hope stored up in heaven. And did you see, it's a hope that they've actually heard about before. They've heard about it before in the gospel message of Jesus. Verse 5, The faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. The gospel, the momentous news that Jesus Christ is the Lord, that's the message that has come to them. Jesus Christ is Lord, He is God's chosen King to rule the kingdom of God's redeemed people in God's realm, that is His place, under God's good reign, God's redeemed people, in God's realm, under God's good reign. And this, this kingdom that Jesus is a king of, it's a reality now, and one day it will be expressed in its fullness in heaven. God's redeemed people, in God's realm, under God's good reign, with no sin. And God, He has made a way for all to be qualified to share in this promise. It's, it's not through works, it's not through money, it's not through social status or privilege or anything like that, but it is through His grace, through the undeserved redemption bought with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ at the cross. God has made a way for all the enemies of God, all in the dominion of darkness, to have sins forgiven. And the blood of Jesus at the cross was the price paid to redeem us from the dominion of darkness and bring us into the kingdom of the Son He loves. Have a look at verse 13. For He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Oh, this is wonderful news. It is wonderful news for all who would choose to accept it. Any of us either can be or is a redeemed person with Jesus Christ as our Lord. 
You know, in our angry and warring world, isn't it such a comfort to know that while all the kingdoms of this world rage and will one day fall, the kingdom of the Son God loves, it will never fall. The hope of life in this kingdom in heaven. This is what drove the Colossians to act this way. And notice, for them, the gospel was not just fun fact. It wasn't just information downloaded and left in the download folder to never look at again. It it wasn't just a dead stick stuck in the soil of their lives, left to just do nothing. No, it was a living, breathing tree that bore fruit among them and grew as it had been doing all over the world. It was actively at work in the Colossians who had truly understood God's grace and responded. Have a look at verse 6. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. And Joe and I, we've had many conversations where we've reflected on just how thankful we are for you here at 10am and others in our congregations as we think about the love that we see among you all here, among us. We have been so blessed by the way you've loved us and the, the way we've seen it among you, see it at work among you. We are so thankful and challenged and genuinely encouraged. The gospel is actively at work here. Now, of course, like any fruit tree, some fruit is visible, like the fruit on the orange tree. It's clear to see, everyone can see it. And other fruit may be more, other fruit may be more like a mulberry tree as you look from afar. You, you can't see it, but it's there. It's just hidden behind the leaves. Either way, the gospel, it's bearing fruit among us. It is growing. But as we reflect on the fruit of the gospel and and rightly celebrate its presence in one another, it's important that we don't make an all-too-common mistake. The mistake of going beyond just being thankful and instead thinking that the fruit of the gospel is the gospel. So, the Colossians' love for each other is not the gospel. Our love for each other is not the gospel but it is the good fruit of the gospel. It is only ever the fruit of the gospel. We must not confuse the gospel root with the gospel fruit. The root of the gospel, it concerns Jesus as Lord, and the fruit of the gospel concerns our response to Him, our response to His Lordship, living lives that are worthy of Him. So the gospel is not social justice. Although social justice is good fruit of the gospel. The gospel is not showing love to our community, but again, it is the good fruit that the gospel bears. And focusing on the fruit and forgetting the root, well, that's a surefire way to end up with a how's it going picture that's very far from where it started. Now, instead, we need to hold on to the message of Jesus that we see so clearly in the Scriptures. The true message 
that the Colossians first heard and responded to. And please note, it is a message. It is words that are conveyed from one person to another. And so while God can and does use all kinds of means to lead people to hear and find the message, He never replaces the message root with the message fruit. He never replaces the message root with the message fruit. So you may have heard or even spoken that phrase, preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. Well, that phrase, it's a load of rubbish. Why? Because the gospel is words. The gospel is words that need to be proclaimed. And so to say preach the gospel and if necessary, use words is like saying feed the hungry and if necessary, use food. No, this message, this message is spoken, it is heard, it is understood, it is learned. And the Colossians, they heard it, learned it and understood it through Epaphras. Have a look at verse 7. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. Paphras, he was kind of like the herald that came into town, bringing the news with him. He was the minister who taught them this wonderful news. I wonder for you, who were those Epaphrases in your life? Who are those who've, who've sought to bring you the gospel message? Who are those who've sought to teach you the gospel message? Again, let's take 15 seconds this time, have a think, write it down, and then we'll pray for them. Go for it. Fifteen. For me, it was my mother as she shared the good news of Jesus with me, and after that, a whole host of faithful people. Let's let's pray and thanks for them, Father. We thank you for these Epaphrases in our life who've brought us the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, Paul and his companions, he knew that without prayer, the Colossians they could easily lose sight of what Epaphras had taught them. They could easily make the mistake of, well, not going much further than a good beginning easily make the mistake of swapping the root and the fruit. And so him and his companions, they pray for these Christians in Colossae. They pray because God works through the prayers of his people to bring about his purposes. God works through the prayers of his people to bring about his purposes. And what do they pray for the Colossians? Verse 9, For this reason... Since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of His will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. Oh, how good is that? What a great thing to pray for another Christian. Something we always need. I mean, imagine someone praying this for you. How blessed would you be by that? Maybe this is something that we can pray for each other, to know God's will. Now, to know God's will, it's not just personal guidance for your life, like what job to take or who to do this or that. It's not just the everyday things of life. It's 
the knowledge of his plans and purposes in the world. It's the knowledge of what he loves and it's the knowledge of what he hates. It's the knowledge of what pleases him and what doesn't. And so, of course, all of those things are then going to influence our decisions, our daily decisions. And this knowledge, it can't just be figured out. Like, you can't just reason it. You can't just read of it in a book and then have it. No, God is the one who fills people with it. The wisdom and understanding are given. And they're given by the Spirit. Have a look what it said again. Verse 9, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of His will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. And why does He give it? Verse 10, So that so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of His holy people in the kingdom of light. That is, the goal of being filled filled with the knowledge of His will, is so that you might live a life worthy of the Lord. It's so that you might please Him in every way. And that looks like a bunch of things as we see here. And I wonder if you noticed a key thing. A key thing, it's there in verse 10. It looks like bearing fruit and growing. Haven't we heard that before? Isn't that what the gospel does? It bears fruit and grows? Well, yes. The Christian life is a life shaped by the gospel from beginning to end. A life that is worthy of the Lord and His sacrifice to give us this life is one bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God. As we do the good works God has prepared for us in advance to do, we're bearing the fruit of the gospel. As we grow in the knowledge of God, we are living a life pleasing to God. This is actually, it's quite a, a different view of God to the subconscious one I used to have. So I used to think God was up there in the sky and he had two moods. Mood one, angry. Mood two, not angry. And so my job was to appease him. Just make sure he's not angry. That's how I make sure, just appease him. But that's not the God Paul knows. That's not the God Paul writes about here. For the God of the Bible we see he is like a good father. A good father who is actually pleased when his children live for him. As Christians, we can live lives not just appeasing to God, but pleasing to Him. Many of us here do that, do live lives of faith in Christ and love for His people. And you know what? He is so pleased. He is so pleased. But this life, while pleasing to the one whose assessment matters most, it does put us on a collision course. So it puts us on a collision course with ourselves and it puts us on a collision course with the world that we live in. 
See, the gospel-shaped life, it is the best life, and at the same time, it is fundamentally at odds with our own natural desires and the trajectory of our world. For this life, this life honours Jesus as Lord over everything else and everyone else. It leads to idols being dredged up from our hearts and sin exposed and repentance proclaimed and our sinful nature and our world in darkness hates when that light is turned on. And so the goal of Paul's prayer includes strength and the power of God. That is, a life worthy of the Lord is only possible through the strength and power of God motivation to live this life. You know, oh, I'm going to muster up as much motivation to do this as I can. Yeah, I'm going to do... That's not enough. That is not what will get us through. It can only be lived by the strength and power of God. Have a look at verse 11. Being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, so that you may defeat your enemies, prosper in everything you do, and throw lightning bolts. What does it say? Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience. Paul's goal is that they will be strengthened by God's power for endurance, for patience. He knows that on their own they won't be able to hold on to Jesus or endure through the suffering. He knows that they need God's very power to endure and to continue through the suffering. He knows they need God's power to be patient while they wait for Jesus' return, not to fall into the temptation to think that he's not enough. They need God's power to to trust Jesus even when everything around looks like Jesus is not in control. Don't we need the same? This is such a wonderful prayer to pray for any Christian that we know and especially those we don't know. As we look at those in our lives who are suffering, as we look at those overseas who are suffering in wars, places like Israel and Gaza, let us be those who pray for them. In those wars, pray for our Christian family on both sides who are hurting. But there's a final thing in this prayer. For as they have a knowledge of his will, notice it will lead to joyful thanks to the Father. For no matter what happens in this life, there is an inheritance that is kept in heaven that cannot be taken away by death or suffering in this life, an inheritance open to all who would trust him in Christ. Verse 11, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. The gospel message of Jesus, it is truly incredible. Small wonder Paul thanks God when he hears of the Colossians receiving it and bearing its fruit. Small wonder Paul prays that they may live lives worthy of the Lord who redeemed them. So let's have that as our prayer that both our how it started and how it's going would be as beautiful as the Colossians upheld by such wonderful prayers as this in the strength of God. 
that we too may live lives worthy of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we, we struggle to come to the words to thank you, to thank you for what Jesus has done in redeeming us. But we do thank you. We thank you that by the power of your spirit, you allow us to live lives that are worthy of you. Help us to do that. Give us a knowledge of your will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that we may live that life. In Jesus' name, amen.